I want to continue our study in the book of James. Uh, so turn with me, please, in your scriptures to the book of James, James thir- uh, chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. James chapter 1, 13 through 18. As we said last week, James is a very, very practical book. And it seems to be a really good book for us as a community at this time. And I taught on this several years ago. I'll be teaching this along with Bob, who will be filling in when I am not in town. But uh, we're going to be going through the book of James for the next couple of months. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 18. And I'm going to begin by reading verse 13. It says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each is tempted when he is dragged away and enticed by his own desire. You know, uh, there was a fellow by the name of Flip Wilson. And some of you chuckle, and some of you are like, Flip who? Okay. Flip Wilson was a comedian. And uh, African-American comedian. He was, you know, one of the first African-American comedians who were, was on TV. He was, uh, he, he was famous. And uh, he had a character by the name of Geraldine. And uh, uh, Geraldine, you know, always used to get herself into circumstances. And her line always was, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. The devil made me do this, that, and the other thing. Some of you, you know, you're always wanting to go on a diet, but you eat too much because the devil made you do it, you know? We, uh, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great routine. Go on YouTube, I'm sure you can see it, all right? But often in our lives, when it comes to sin and it comes to things we shouldn't do, we look outside ourselves for some source for that influence, Uh, We almost take what it says here in this text uh, for ourselves in this negative way. We're being tempted, we're being impressed on by someone other than myself when it comes to the actions that I make. We like to look for other people to blame for our problems. If you're married, or if you're soon to be married, you're going to find, if you haven't found already, that it's easy to try and shift blame. You shift blame to the spouse. Sometimes you're lucky you can shift blame to the kids. You know, it's not my fault the kitchen's dirty. The kids left a mess. Right? That could be true. Yeah, I can't do that anymore. It's my wife's fault. This morning what we want to do is we want to look at the whole issue of assuming personal responsibility for our own sinfulness. It's extremely important for us if we want to grow in our relationship with God as God's slaves. Remember last week, week we talked about this. To be a doulas, a, bur, a bond slave, a servant. But not just a servant, a real slave. To be a real slave for God, we have to be willing to assume our own personal responsibility regarding our sinfulness. About what we do when temptations come our way. And that it is our personal responsibility to resist sin. God calls us as his slaves to resist temptation to sin. We should not be sinning. We should not be sinning. God expects us to live holy lives. As it says in the, in the biblical text in two different places, but the one relevant for us at the moment in First Peter, we should be holy. 
For God has called us to be his holy people. We need to resist sin in our lives. So let's take a look back at this text. James chapter 1 again, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. At times, don't you just feel there are some circumstances that come upon you and you just feel like God has thrown you from the frying pan into the fire. That God has put you in a situation that is just not fair. And you want to cry out to God in a not very nice way and say, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to me? Life can really throw some curveballs at us. But there's a very wonderful little verse that says in the text that no temptation has come upon you that isn't common. And that God will give you the strength to endure whatever that situation is. God will always strengthen us to handle whatever difficulties come our way. Now, in this particular situation, though, I want us to remember that last week we talked about testings. And really the word temptation here is the whole concept of testing. Testing. Circumstances that come upon us. Alright, but at the same time, whereas last week was more about external things coming upon us, this week the emphasis really is internal. Internal. It's not like... You know, people around you are, are bringing difficulties into your life. It's much more about the fact that you are confronted internally about opportunities to do things that you know displease God and how we handle that. But it is important to begin by recognizing that God is not the source of temptation to sin. God will never bring a situation into your life which should lead you to sin. Does that make sense? God is not going to say to you, you need to break the speed limit today. You may say, I desire to break the speed limit today. This morning I went to go pick up Sean. I confess. I did 74 in a 55. I confess that. And we have a police officer in the room. Alright? Speeding is a bad thing. Uh, But we all do it a little bit. Some of us more than others. I don't recommend it. I would encourage you not to do it. But it's hard on the freeway when everybody else is going 80 and I'm going 74. Okay? But it's a choice I made to speed. I was talking with Bob Barrow. We were discussing different things in terms of our lives as believers and and the things that confront us. I mean, the things that we see with our eyes. We're living in a very wicked world today. There's a lot of things that we see which lead us to lust. All right, I'm not just talking about pornography. I'm not just talking about the Sports Illustrated edition, uh, swimsuit edition. I'm not. I'm talking about clothes, and I'm talking about cars, and I'm talking about possessions of all kinds. We're surrounded by things that that can lead us to lust. God is not the one who is encouraging that. He's not bringing these temptations into our lives. These are things that are there that really, from within us. We can be led away by temptation to sin. Temptation, by definition, is simply to invite, entice to do wrong by promise of pleasure or gain. To entice to do wrong by promise of pleasure or gain. Recently, a doctor was arrested in Skokie because he went out of his way to recommend a drug 
that was mediocre in quality, but he got $600,000 worth of kickbacks to encourage people to use that drug. He succumbed to temptation, the temptation of financial, personal financial gain. Now God, of course, is perfect. He's holy. God cannot sin. God cannot be tempted. That's what it says in the text. It says, God cannot be tempted by evil. It's not possible. It's not possible. He doesn't have the capacity. That's what the biblical text teaches. And therefore, therefore God never encourages sinfulness in our lives. In fact, the only thing God will ever do is encourage through his spirit our obedience to his instructions. God will only encourage us to obey his instructions. What's interesting is following God's instructions generally does not, in and of itself, promise us earthly pleasure or gain. Do you realize that? There's not a clear promise of earthly pleasure and gain. That's not what following God's all about. Following God is is feeling God's pleasure and, and appreciating eternal gain. I mean, there are some benefits. If you tell the truth... You don't have to have a good memory. <laughs> All right? If you tell the truth, you will always be able to, to, to go through life with a good conscience. You don't have to make backstories up to protect yourself from all your lies. There's a benefit to that. If you don't rob banks, you don't go to jail. There's a benefit to that. God, though, encourages us to live lives focused on his instruction and on eternity, which brings his pleasure and eternal gain. But not necessarily earthly pleasure or earthly gain. Often what happens is we are led astray by our own personal lusts because we desire immediate gratification, personal gain, personal pleasure in this world. And now, quickly, as soon as possible, And uh, if we want to be really honest about it, when it comes to temptation, God, of course, is not the source. We are the source. And it's our own weaknesses that lead us towards sin. We give in by allowing temptation to draw, lure, and entice us out. We give in to the temptation, whatever it might be. Maybe in your life the issue is, is that you're always wasting your money. Alright? I mean, I'll just use one that's really practical here. You know that you should be giving to support God's God's work. You know that you should be saving and handling your resources so that you are uh, self-reliant financially, which is good. Okay? You're paying your bills. Being responsible with the creditors. Alright? Being able to help others. Being generous toward others. But you have to have that 35th pair of shoes. And you have already 30 pairs of shoes in the closet, still in the box. You know, through my time of of being a rabbi, I mean, I've met a number of people that purchase items that they never use, but they, they have a temptation toward spending money unnecessarily. It's a terrible temptation. Someone like that should never have cable. Never. In fact, it might be good for them to not have the internet either. Because the temptation is there to see some new thing that catches their eye and leads them astray to purchase that, that additional unnecessary item. 
We are the source of our weakness towards sin. We are the ones that lead ourselves astray because of our lusts. In 1 John chapter 2, it speaks of three types of sinful temptation. Three originators of temptation. The world, the flesh, and the devil. The world, the flesh, and the devil. I'm not going to read 1 John 2. Go read it yourself and take a look at it. Everyone wants to think that the devil made me do it. Or that the world out there is this terrible influence that's leading me astray. But all too often, it's just you and I alone giving in to the thing that interests our pleasure button all by our little lonesome selves. We need to acknowledge that weakness we have. We are weak people. And we give into our personal, sinful weaknesses, desires, and cravings. We do these things. Just as it says again, verse 14, very simple, but each one is tempted when he is dragged away and enticed by his own desire. Then verse 15, but then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. And so that's a pretty interesting statement. You know, buying too many shoes leads to spiritual death? (laughs) Yeah, it can. Because it keeps you away from from God and from His instructions. You know? I'm convinced there are a lot of people that would have some spiritual interest, but their personal lusts destroy the ability to even get close to God. They die in their sins because they're buried under their junk... Or they're buried under their temptations and their lusts and they can't see the light of the gospel. And unfortunately, when we as followers of the Messiah, Yeshua, we live giving in to our temptations and our sins, we can't be that light of the good news of Messiah, Yeshua, to the people around us because we're trapped, chained down by our own temptations. Here, let's take a look at this process of temptation. This is really good. I'm going to just reference your Genesis chapter 3. You all know what's in Genesis chapter 3. God created, creates a perfect world. Adam and Eve are there in the garden. Everybody's dancing around, having a good old time. No evil, no sin, no speed limits. And unfortunately, we have this scenario though where... Uh, temptation occurs. You know, that serpent, the snake, the devil. I mean, there's all kinds of interesting material on that. You can go read it in rabbinic literature and Christian literature. All kinds of elaborations. But what it really is, is Adam and Eve are in the garden, minding their own business, because there's nobody else around that we know of in the text. And the snake starts to speak to Eve. And he goes through this process of, of pointing her to this one fruit forbidden for them to eat. Don't you hate it when there's one thing you can't have? <laughs> it's one thing you can't have. Don't you hate that? Imagine being in a world where you can have anything you want but one thing. And it's the one thing you want. Yeah? Terrible. It's horrible. Last night we had Valentine's Day. And uh, so no one was around because it's the winter Aliyah, so we were both going crazy. So uh, last night Carla got steaks or actually she got me some steak a steak two steaks but they were small very small no gluttony here small and then she got lamb chops and I really looked at her lamb chops and I said I really want your lamb chops (laughs) don't you always want what you can't have 
That's what it is. Adam and Eve, they're in the garden. Adam never once says he has any interest in this fruit. Eve wants the one fruit she can't have. In Jewish tradition, it's a pomegranate. Of course, everybody talks about the apple. But she looks at it. She sees the desirability of the item. And because she sees, she then tastes, and then unfortunately it goes from there, right? You want to know how how temptation kills you, basically? The process, it is the eyes. It always starts with the sight. Seeing the desirability of whatever it is. If you know that there are things that tempt you, don't look at them. I don't go to places where I shouldn't eat. I really don't. I try not to. Because I'm tempted by things like hamburgers and large portions of food. Buffet lines are my enemy. I don't go to them. Although where I'm going in New York this weekend, it's all buffet. But anyway. (laughs) Sin and temptation always starts with the eyes. Always starts with the eyes. And unfortunately, if we're willing to go into a situation where our eyes see things that tempt us, then we tend soon afterwards to taste, to sample, to sample the sin, to sample this this thing. And if something doesn't intervene, usually the Spirit of God moving in the life of a friend who says, get out of the buffet line, what are you doing there? We tend to then start to indulge in the sin. We give in. You know, we give in and we indulge in the sin, giving ourselves fully over to it. And then, unfortunately, if, if us, you know, depending on the situation, obviously, if indulging in sin would lead to separation with God. You know, that we always, I always say this when we, do the, when we open up the ark for the Amidah, you know, as followers of Messiah Yeshua, we are positionally... We are positionally righteous. What that means is that God looks at us in terms of our faith in Messiah Yeshua and He says we are holy. We are holy. We are godly. We are righteous before God positionally because we have accepted that Messiah Messiah Yeshua's blood has brought forgiveness for all our sin. Right? That's positional. When we look at ourselves, we we should be seeing all of our sinfulness. So when we stand before the Amidah, it's a great opportunity to take a few moments and to confess our sin, to make sure that we are current before God, that there is not some sinful habit in our lives which we're just allowing to just run us. Because those sinful habits, those things that frankly we began by seeing and then tasting and now have allowed to just control us, breaks our relationship with God. Every once in a while I run into believers that live a dual life. They're bifurcated. They come to services. They, 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 at services, they, you'd never know. Uh, but uh, you know, they live a certain kind of a righteous life. They look good. They sound good. They don't say anything wrong. And then outside in the real world, they swear like a sailor. And they do all this other stuff. There's a bifurcation. Hopefully in your life there's consistency. There's wholeness. That you come here and you say to God and to man, I am sinful. I sin. But thanks be to God through my faith in Messiah Yeshua, my sins are forgiven. 
And so I want to live a righteous life, but I struggle and I stumble, but God forgives me and I get back up. That's the attitude we should have. Whether it's here on Shabbat or if it's a Tuesday night or a Thursday morning, there needs to be a consistency in our lives. This morning, give consideration to what I've just talked about in regards to the process of temptation. Do you indulge in sin? Are there sinful habits you practice in your life that if people knew they would be really disappointed in you? And if so, confess those as sin. Break those habits. Get out of your life whatever it is that leads you down this process of seeing, tasting, and indulging. Because if you do not, it will lead to death. It will lead to death. Now God in His mercy, and I've seen this in a few people, God in His mercy intervenes. And He does things to grab people's attention. It's very interesting. I'll mention this one because we've got young people. Uh, Joni Erickson Tata, I'm looking back to Rita, tells the story of the fact that uh, she grew up as a believer, or in a believing environment, and uh, yet she was engaged in, in inappropriate sexual activity with a boyfriend or something. I can't remember all the details. But she, one of the things she thanks God for, she broke her neck because it woke her up spiritually. <laughs> you may go, wow, that's kind of radical. Being a quadriplegic, God, you know, that's kind of tight. That's kind of tough. But what's very interesting is that Joni Erickson Tata, as part of her testimony, pretty much says that she thanks God for the fact that God intervened in her life. Look what God did with her since. I know a friend of mine, I mentioned him every once in a while, he was one of the guys that helped me come to faith in Yeshua. You know, when I wasn't a believer in Yeshua, he basically would challenge me and talk to me and yell at me and, and you know, whatever. I became a believer, and, and uh, so you know we're together interacting for a period of time, and and he came to a point in his life where he didn't want to do what God wanted him to do. He wanted to do what he wanted to do. He tasted and saw things that he wanted to pursue with his life, and he began to indulge in those things, which took him far away from where God wanted him to be. Man had more potential than anybody I've ever met in a certain areas of ministry, because I know God wanted him in ministry. Today he's mentally ill and he's doing nothing. It's been almost 25 years of, of, of this. If you struggle with sin, and you struggle with sin, and you fight with sin, and, and, and that's okay. That means you're human. If you roll over and you give in to sin... And you just let sin reign in your life. That's ungodly. And that will lead to God you know, doing something in your life. To get a hold of you. So that you will change. It's because God loves you. It's because God wants you to have a real meaningful life. Look at verse 16. Do not be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Going back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, there the, the Corinthian believers were, were doing, you know, they were just, they were getting drunk and not being all generous with their food at a, uh, at a service where they were remembering Yeshua's death. And Paul says in that text, some of, some of you are sick and some people are dead. Why? Because of this activity, this sinful activity. 
I think it, too often for us, we view sin in a way that it's not such a big deal. None of us here is killing anybody. Okay? And so we think, if I haven't killed somebody today, I'm not that bad. God looks at our sin and he says, sin is sin. Resist sin. Resist the temptation. If you go to a place or if you see certain things that spark in you a temptation, do not go there. Do not make it available to you. Hide yourself from those things so that you don't begin a process that can lead to sinfulness and indulgence in sinfulness. Verses 17 and 18, though, they give us some encouragement. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. By His will... He brought us forth by the word of truth so that we might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. The first few verses here are pretty heavy. Hopefully you're like, yeah, man, let me do an inventory here of how I'm doing in my relationship with God and my sinfulness. That's all healthy and that's all good. We all must be doing that. But what is wonderful is that there is always a solution for temptation. First, we need to recognize our position as God's children. It's helpful. If you think of yourself as being garbage, the odds are you're going to be garbage in terms of actions. How you view yourself often is how we live ourselves our lives out. But if you view yourself as a child of God, if you recognize your positional righteousness before God, then it helps to live out, therefore, a life of righteousness. If you know God's love... If you know that God has given you this tremendous gift of salvation, which is really what he's referencing here, and you're appreciating that in your life and keeping your focus on that, it will keep you from temptation. Recognize your position as God's child. God gives his children good gifts. God gives your ch- his children good gifts. may not be a Maserati. <laughs> Mr. Ferdinand. <laughs> But God will always give his children good gifts. Thank him for that. You may be experiencing his pleasure in in different ways even today. And being able to reference back and think back all that God has done for you. Use those memories to encourage you to stay strong in your relationship with God. To avoid temptations. Recognize also that we are new creations. Before you came to a point of accepting Yeshua's Messiahship, you were lost. You were dead. But now, because of your faith in Messiah Yeshua, you are new. You don't have to do the old. Every once in a while, people will tell me, well, you know, I mean, this, I, I, you know, I was raised this way, and I've got to do things this way, because that's just the way I am. That's just the way it is. And forget that. That's crazy. You know, God changes lives. God changes lives. I mean, there are, some of us have really difficult family backgrounds. I know several of you want to get married. You know, divorce is prevalent in our society and in many of our homes. Many people go, well, my parents got divorced. I'll probably end up getting divorced. Forget that. Forget that. My mom and dad, unfortunately, had a very bad marriage. (laughs) And they're divorced. My parents, bad marriage. All right? I don't think we can have a better marriage, but I think it's pretty good. 
part of my determination was to change what had been to make it new in Messiah Yeshua. Every one of us has to think like that. Every single one of us has to think about how as new creations in Messiah, we can make our lives with God's help and leading better. Better. And to avoid the temptations and and the testings that, that come from inside, the doubts that might pop up in us. As new creatures in Messiah Yeshua, we are able to resist temptation. There is absolutely nothing that can come against you. Nothing. As long as you're willing to, 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 to follow God and His instructions. Nothing. God will give you the strength to resist all temptations. And never forgetting that the Spirit of God lives within us. And that Spirit of God is good. You know, uh, you want to maintain his, uh, the sensitivity level. You know, I, I have been traveling a little bit. So you go to one airport, you could walk in with a, with a Howard, sir. And, the, and the, the metal detectors wouldn't go off. All right? You know, carry bricks of steel. The metal detectors don't. It's like, you know, what? Then I, I was coming out of L.A. And, and I had my belt on which I never take off anymore in metal detectors, and it rang. It rang. It's like, who turned up the sensitivity of this crazy metal detector? With the Spirit of God, it talks about in another place in the Scriptures where we can, we can dull our sensitivity to the Spirit's leading if we allow sin in our lives. If we confess our sins, He forgives us our sins. And the more we fess up on our sinfulness, the more we can hear the voice of God in our lives, the Spirit of God speaking to us and and challenging us in regards to our sinfulness and encouraging us to live an ever more righteous life. But it demands a desire to, to have that kind of sensitivity. You know, every once in a while in the, in the cartoons, you know, you've got the, the two, the angel and the devil. Okay, you know the illustration. One shoulder and the other shoulder. And, uh, you know, which you're going to listen to. Well, I mean, we want to be attuning ourselves to hear God's Spirit within our lives. Talking with us, challenging us, teaching us in regards to what it is God wants us to do. It is critically important to be studying your biblical text because the Spirit of God will always rely on that knowledge in us. I think so. I think that what it is is what we study and know the Spirit of God within us is going to utilize to point out stuff to encourage and strengthen us. Well, let's wrap this up. God calls us as his slaves to resist temptation to sin. First, remember your relationship with God. That's really, that's really key. Relationship with God. If you've not thought about it lately, think about that relationship. God is our Heavenly Father. God is our provider of good gifts. God has made us a new creation. All of that exists because he wants to have a relationship with us. Remember that relationship with God and cry out to God to help during times of temptation in your lives. Second, respond to the truth of God's scripture by applying it to your life. Apply it. Intentionally read your biblical text to apply what it says. On this Aliyah this year, we're going to be talking Ishchayil, a person of valor, of strength. And the, the, the teaching is critically important because the teaching gives ideas for application. 
how do we apply God's instruction into our lives? We need to be thinking about that all the time because it's building up a resistance to sin when we study a scripture. And then I encourage you, resist the urges to give in to temptation. Resist it. Fight it. Some of you are good arguers. I have to deal with you every once in a while. You're, you're good at arguing. Well then argue against your sin. Stand up against it. Just as you would any foe from whatever viewpoint you want to argue. And fight against that temptation and that sinfulness. Resist it. Fight against it. Stay away from people, places, activities that you know will be tempting to you. I hope nobody in our synagogue is planning to go see Fifty Shades of whatever that is. I actually was talking with somebody on the phone who doesn't come here, but is a believer who is actually entertaining the thought of going to see that. I'm like, what? I forbid you to go see that. But that would be a really good example of something not to do. And don't read the book either. Get help from fellow believers through accountability. You struggle with overeating? Talk to Don Moore, talk to my wife, talk to Vlad. That's just, you know. If you struggle with something, get encouragement, get help to resist. We're all weak people. We're all weak people. I'm going to go to New York and I'm going to go to the Second Avenue Deli. I confess it. I confess it. They've got tremendous pastrami, but I can't get carrot cake there because it's strictly kosher. And I don't know why I'm saying that. I guess it's confession of sin. My wife, whenever I leave town, she says, you're not allowed to come home weighing more than before you left. It's accountability. It's accountability. I mean, it may seem simple. It can be a little silly. But don't we all have things we struggle with? Don't we need accountability? Oh, I don't want to answer to anybody. All right. Well, then you'll not do so well in life. Oh, it's very helpful to answer to those around us. Very helpful to be accountable to the people around us. Anything you struggle with, anything that tempts you, that is difficult for you, have accountability. Have accountability with someone that you will actually allow to speak into your life. And then finally, believe you can gain victory over areas of temptation. Really believe you can gain victories. Oh, I'll never get past this, that, the other thing. Don't think like that. That's defeating yourself. You're defeating yourself already. Believe that through God's strength you can overcome. That's what it is. Much of the New Testament text is basically an encouragement to overcome. Rob Shaul, Paul's writing to a bunch of pagans, mostly, in his text, telling them they can overcome. Overcome the opposition, overcome the temptation, overcome the, you know, the marginality that comes from following Messiah Yeshua. We can overcome temptation. But we have to be willing to follow God's instruction. We have to be willing to call it for what it is. We have to be willing not to go out and lick whatever it is just because it's there. I'm not going to fall into it. No, don't get that close. Don't submit to temptation. God will indeed strengthen us. And for crying out loud, don't blame the devil for anything. He's off probably trying to get Putin to do some crazy thing, or he's working with the ISIS people. You know, Satan, he's, he's kind of handling the big situations, I think. But that's a whole other discussion we can talk about some other time. The Lord our God is greater, and the Lord our God ha- will strengthen us, 
and has strengthened us and brought us to where we're at today. And there's much more He wants us to do. Let's resist the temptation and pursue Him. Let's pray. God, we thank You so much for the instruction of Your Word and the challenge of it. And I do pray, God, that You would indeed strengthen each and every one of us, that we would be more and more committed to living lives of righteousness for Your glory. I thank you, God, for the fact that through your spirit, you do strengthen us and that you do help us through, uh, through just words of challenge and, uh, and just words of conviction. And I pray, God, that each one of us would be greater attuned to hear his voice. Again, we thank you for our Messiah, Yeshua, whose death has made us new creations. We pray all this in Yeshua's name.